0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Design Intervention Podcast, a fashion and design podcast hosted by two professionals in the industry. Hi, I'm Susan and I'm Nicole. This week we are excited to have our first guest who was a creative director in the children's wear industry who now owns her own therapy practice and is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Hi.
1: Welcome. Sarah. Hi
0: there.
2: Thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun.
1: We're so excited. <laughs> it's going to be So good. Sam, why don't you
0: start us off? Um, I think one of the reasons why we had you on this this week was that you are a mutual industry friend of both Nicole and I, um, and just kind of give us a little bit of a background of where we had met, what how you had started in this industry, mm-hmm. and how you ended up pivoting to where you are now
2: sure sure i have known susan and nicole for a long time i think susan probably almost like 25 years now right yeah a long time and, uh, <laughs> met nicole a little bit later at another company and then somehow we all looped back together so it's, it's like really 20, great to 20, see you guys 21
1: years 21 years because that was like 2000 that i was at yeah it together okay yeah
2: we're we're dating ourselves here yeah <laughs> but that's um I- So, you know, how I got started in this industry, to me anyway, is an interesting story. I had moved to New York um, in my 20s, in my early 20s, literally with like a backpack on my back and uh, couch surfed at a friend's house thinking I could get a waitressing job or something to that effect. And it just didn't happen. And I was pretty poor. I was like plucking quarters up off the street. And uh, I saw this ad in the Village Voice uh, that said, a drawing of liquid in a glass to this number. (laughs) So I sat down at my little metal kitchen table at my friend's house and I drew this um, image of a hard rock cafe glass with, you know, ice cubes. And it was just a pen and ink drawing. And I faxed it over. And within a few days, I got a phone call from um, a fairly famous designer. Can I say her name or Yeah I think so. Yeah it was Nicole Miller if you've heard of uh, Nicole Miller.
1: I don't know this story this is amazing. Yeah Yeah, I don't think I know this story either.
2: I was totally clueless totally like not experienced in the industry and the only thing I really had that I could offer was like some you know drawing ability but not anything formal not like formally trained artist. Um, But there was something about the quality of the drawing that I faxed that interested them and so they called me up and the next thing I knew I was doing um hand rendered pen and ink prints for Nicole Miller
0: because this is before computers correct (laughs) this was before computers and these had to be
2: in repeat so it's like if you know anything by hand repeat by hand pen and ink a lot of tracing paper <laughs> with tracing paper on in you know lining up with the copy machine to try to get yeah. that exact repeat. Um, oh I
0: know that process well.
2: Yeah. And so I I took that experience and to try to expand on it to make more money because in, in that in that job it was commission you, like you would draw something and if they liked it they would buy it and if they mm. didn't you you know you were back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, so I took a job at a temp agency. And they placed me at this horrible, horrible, like factory setting type of um, print, cr- like print company where you would go in and you would everything was hand drawn, like still because computer right. like wasn't really invented yet. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think it was somewhere like in but it wasn't garage, utilized. But not, yeah, not right. in the office and it was horrible. Like it was freezing cold. The windows were busted out. Like as the newbie, I had to sit at the desk Mm. facing a brick wall near a broken window. It was so cold. We would wrap our hands in like modern
0: day sweatshop. huh?
2: (laughs) Yes. It was. And the owner would sit at a big desk, smoking his cigarettes in the middle of the room. No. And, And we were drawing like golfing like prints for golf wear, like, and he was like totally classic out of like, out of a a dramedy, like, like yelling at us, berating us if he didn't like the print, you know, so that didn't last too long. And I went from there into, um, a temp position with a well-established children's wear company. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding saying the names, but if, if I can, I let me know. Um. But I think so with I, the
1: companies. Yeah, I think that that's okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this so is I, your, I. This
2: is
0: your history. Yeah. This is my Based history on your so, resume. Yeah.
2: Yes, it's on my resume. So I started at Con Lucas Lancaster, which mm-hmm. at the time was a, a old school, multi generation owned, uh, well established children's wear company. And I
1: think they're out of business now.
2: Yes. No. They a,
1: are.
0: Oh, are they? they? I think. I yeah, think that's I mean.
1: mostly the children's wear. It's 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 family owned, generational. Mm-hmm companies they they closed up for like a year and then they're going to come back i think that's what they did okay
2: yeah so when i was at Con uh, con lucas lancaster i was hired as a after being a temp they liked my work and so they took me on as an assistant designer but then within the year they opened a licensing department um and I was moved over to the licensing department and met and in, in at Con Lucas. That's where I met Paul. Do you remember Paul, the artist? Um, um in Jillian, yeah. Jillian was uh, okay. yeah, the I remember Jillian liaison, right? Mm-hmm. right. So yes. I met them there and brought them over eventually to Kids Headquarters. But um, yeah, so I worked there, and what happened there, and I think this happens in the industry probably as a whole. I was doing well in the department and I got a job, uh, offer from another department within the organization that paid like twice as much, mm-hmm. um, to, to work on GUND, which was like a cute property compared to what mm-hmm. I was working on, which was, you know, like, well, I guess I was working on mostly Disney properties at that point, but, uh, my immediate boss would not let me go. She didn't want to lose me in that department. Cause you're and, so talented. And so I left the company because if I can't grow in the company, then I'm not, I, I didn't, I didn't feel like that was an ethical. Mm So, um, from there I went to work for an accessories company as an art director. Um, and it was a big jump. And, um, after I was at the accessories company for about six months, um, I got a call from a headhunter, <laughs> I don't know what they call them, recruiter, Yeah, right? recruiter, uh, headhunter, <laughs> who had a, a, a job option for me that was literally paying twice what I was making in that role. So essentially within a six month period, I went, I doubled my income from, from where I was at Con Lucas to this accessory company and then doubled my income again moving over to uh, kid's headquarters. And, and up my- to
1: that point, there's no educational background in design at this point? No, like any kind of studying with school?
2: So I had started my, uh, you know, I moved, I moved out of my house when I was like 16 and I had been putting myself through college uh, as an English major. Slowly. Um, slowly, And so I, I was sort of halfway through that prep process. And at Con Lucas, they paid for me to take a few classes at FIT. So I took a few like design, sewing, um, like three or four classes at FIT. Okay. Um, but nothing formal, formal in terms nothing of formal. a program. Uh, but I did continue, you know, my bachelor's throughout this entire process and finally yes. graduated. And then went on to uh, get my master's in
1: creative writing. Right, later I remember on. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you wanted to do I, Harry Potter I, books. I remember that.
2: <laughs> I
0: remember <laughs> that. But I and think a, writing. Yeah, I think a good point here was what you had just said about in the early part of your process is how in in order to make a jump in salary, you had to leave the companies. And I think Nicole, we had talked about this on a previous podcast yeah. that that was how we would make our pay increases, not within the companies yeah, that weren't literally giving you uh, raises and promotions, but you had to leave, go to another organization and jump like ten or $15,000 yeah. and that's how you increased to where you were. And that was the process back then.
2: Yeah. 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 And okay, so that, we'll go
0: back. so that's where
2: I was at, uh, had my like, art director role at kids headquarters, which when I started was growing, they had, you know, fairly small department. They had some internal, you know, um, what do you call like conflict between the designers and the artists. And there were really like two teams. There was the design team and then there was the art team and I was the art director. And then there was a design director. And so we all had to collaborate. But And
1: that was when Kids Headquarters was just coming up in the beginning. And it was mm-hmm. like, they were booming. Established. Yeah. Yeah. So anybody who went in during that time that they kind of recruited, because mm-hmm. when I was at Haddad, they had a couple of key people that they recruited. So anybody I feel like that went over there, like Susan, I feel like those people really like grew with the company and became like the key players as mm-hmm. it went. Like- and you were one of those people that- went in at that time. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. where
0: Sam and I first met because I mm-hmm. went in as a designer in at Kids headquarters and that's where Sam was, you know, the art director at the, at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's where we had first met.
2: Yeah. And we won I think the Ernie Awards for like 3 or 4 years uh 98 99 uh, 2000 2001 Kids Kids headquarters won the Ernie Awards which is the Earnshaw magazine award for best products in licensing. So we were pretty, pretty hop, hopping, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it was very fast paced, it was right. long hours. I, I don't know, Susan, like
0: how was it for you in terms of staying late at night? So um, I, I loved it there. I think there was a whole culture built in. There was a, a whole, to this day, I think there there is a whole group of designers and artists that still remain in contact uh, I think it was a moment in time. And during that time, yeah, we worked very long hours, um, at, but it was pre kids. And mm-hmm. so I I loved it, I lived it. Uh, but then when I got pregnant with my first child, I knew I couldn't continue that pace or those hours. And that's when I I needed to leave. And it was around the same time that you had left. You had mm-hmm. gone to uh, Children's Apparel Network and actually said, hey, Susan. Mm-hmm. on over mm-hmm.
1: here where I, I ended up with the But four they days. paid very well for those hours. And I think because I had my son already, I was never touching that company because I just knew I wasn't putting yeah. in those hours. So I think right. anybody who didn't have the family at that time, yeah. you got paid very well, but you worked.
2: Yes. I remember working so late that the trains weren't running anymore. And and my, I think my boyfriend at the time, not my husband yet, um, had to like drive into the city to, to pick me up because the trains weren't running. And I look, le- kids headquarters, I think, I agree with Susan, like there was such a camaraderie in like you were building in a, something together. And yeah. it was almost like a trauma bond. Like we, <laughs> we, we went through so much like pressure and stress and deadlines and rush and frantic like rolling things out just getting like something ready for like a buyer coming in or a presentation or like down to the minute you know like the entire team working in unison and there were so many people that contributed to making it happen you know that
1: rush of getting it done and being like we did it is just it you that adrenaline like just keeps you going I mean of my years there I, I, I don't regret
0: them but it was a moment in time.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a burnout factor and, Mm. and I left there specifically because the owner was asking repeatedly like weekend after weekend for the artists to stay, uh, to work with weekends and, and was promising to pay them for the extra work that they did. And he would, but then this one weekend came and they were all hemming and hawing and they didn't want to do it. And I like asked as a personal You know, favor to me that they stay and work the weekend, and they agreed to do it, and he agreed to pay them. And then the next week or two rolled out, and the owner said he wasn't going to pay them for that weekend. Oh, wow. And I went in and advocated and gotten a big blowout with him about it. And he basically told me I don't like that he had his own arrangements with them that I didn't know about, and that it was none of my business and to stay out of it. Mm. And that for me crossed a line. Like oh. I couldn't ask these artists to bust their ass and and do this, and then have the not company go back on their yeah. word, and I'm not in the loop, and it it just didn't feel right to me, and that's why I left. Um,
1: How long did you actually last there? Jeez, I
2: want to say like two
1: years, okay,
2: or more. I, I don't actually remember.
1: Okay, <laughs> all a blur. <laughs> it was a blur. Okay,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then I went to, so I went
1: to um, Children's Apparel Network. Now, and, you have to tell how you went to Children's Apparel. Because for me, this can help a lot of people. And I think that this is a great story. Well, I don't know what story you remember. But <laughs> you went through the building.
2: I went through, so back in the day, the building down in downtown uh, Manhattan on, bro- you know, on that corner Midtown, of Broadway, okay. Midtown. Mm-hmm there was a mall, you know, and it was connected to this building and the building was filled like from, like it was 26 floors or something. And it was filled with children's apparel companies, organizations. And so I just went through the building with my resume and went like, you know, I'm like, (laughs) I don't know, 26 years old. Like I'm walking in with my resume. I'm looking around this, this looks pretty, you know, I like this environment, you know, and and applying and um, applied by there dropping, desk, your resume by dropping my resume at the desk. The absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and got, and I got hired and,
1: and I got hired. Uh, How many a, companies actually called you from that process of dropping off?
2: Well, um, hmm, I like, don't, was really, it the
1: one or no,
2: it was okay. more, it was more than one. And, what ended up happening is I got hired with Children's Apparel, but I got freelance from the, mm. a few other companies in the building that that I continued to do for years afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so Children's Apparel, I worked for briefly, but then I was like, "This isn't working for me." Like I, it wasn't the environment wasn't the same. It wasn't that I don't know. There's something I camaraderie. Like, it wasn't. Yeah, it
0: yet. wasn't
2: in, right. in the the owner was really like micromanaging the process, which I wasn't used to. I was used to like, you know, I need this done, do it. And then, you know, you do it. I wasn't used to that micromanagement. And so I pulled out and and then I but had that's kind where of- where
1: we met. And that yeah. you were the artist that they paired me with and you had your creative, you know, art, whatever else you were doing for them, but you also were doing my artwork. And that was where I think, for me, that was a good experience because I thrive on the dysfunction. So that was like a disun- dysfunctional situation. So, mm-hmm. like, I just <laughs> I feel comfortable there. But you and me were pumping out like 40 bodies a week. I mean, it was mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. yeah. But... I remember when I first met you, we were in that back corner room. Yeah. And you
2: were like, just this young girl coming in, you know? Yeah. I was so and- young
1: then. Yeah, no, yeah, I remember.
0: And that's for all three I of us I think I was were... like
1: 26 or something. I was, I was young. You were and young. I, That was like my fake it period. So like, I, you <laughs> know, I came off of being at Haddad, but then I was like in this design role. And you just really like made me look even better than I could have ever possibly. <laughs> <was>. <laughs> Well,
2: there was that one salesman there, you know, and I won't say his name, but he really liked us. Yeah, you know? like he really like Crank advocated for us. <laughs> right, he, he had his quirks and his like. We would roll our eyes, but he was like, you know, he was like a big kid, and he yeah, yeah. he really advocated for us, and I think he made that situation like tolerable. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I remember, so this was a funny story and I don't know, Nicole, if you remember this, but um, I left, I kind of like went in to the owner and said, I don't think I can do this. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's see what, what can, like, let's work this out. And, and so I worked out this sort of consulting arrangement where they would pay me a certain mm-hmm. amount, or I don't even remember the details, but I had this flexible schedule and I would, fly for them to the meetings and whatnot in California and represent in the meetings, um, and kind of float. And, um, we had put a bid in, um, on a hit entertainment product that, uh, uh, kids headquarters did not have and wanted, and we won the bid. And it was a big push
1: train, right?
2: That was, um, Bob the Builder. Oh, Bob the Builder. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. Bob the Builder. And so I got a phone call like within a day or two from kids headquarters, from the owner saying, we want you back. I'll pay you the six figure salary. You don't even have to come into work. You can, we'll fly <laughs> oh, wow. you anywhere in the world. All you, all we want are your ideas. We'll fly you. You can go to Paris. You can go to Italy. You can go anywhere you want. You can stay at the best hotels. You can come in once or twice a week. Just, uh, you know, like, and I was like on the phone, I was at children's apparel on their phone oh. <laughs> talking to him <laughs> and my heart was racing. And I was like, how can I pass this up? Like, how can I pass this up? And I right. said, yes. And then I sat on it that night and it just didn't feel right. It felt like he was really just buying me away from children's apparel mm-hmm. and not like he really wanted me but that he right. really just didn't want motivation me at Children's apparel because right, right. it was competition and at that point you know some of the uh players knew who i was because i had like some of the decision makers in the um licensing world um and so anyway um i i came back and said i can't do it and i stayed at children's apparel and so it really worked out because. I was, I met you and I was able to parlay that into, um, freelance down the road, which is what really was helped me prioritize my family when I decided to have children to be able to freelance.
0: Now that's a pretty brave decision though. Like you really had to sit with that. And I think that goes on a lot in this industry where there's that motivation of it's the competition. And he was really just trying to take you away from that.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: in the end, that that probably wouldn't have been the better path for you.
1: But then it was- you also from there got, I mean, I, you can continue, but you also got from there where you pivoted from the art role into more of a creative director merchandising role when you went that around that time was Honeypot too. Mm-hmm. Yep. So
2: I left there. I don't remember why, but I, I left there and I went to this very small, um, design uh, company called Honeypot and they did like infant infant and toddler super cute non-licensed and I think that's really what I wanted to do something that was not licensed and I was able to you know there was some there was some transition into that organization and then some people coming and going but eventually I was able to kind of take over the department Mm -hmm. and do my own funky little characters. So I did like really, really non-traditional characters and little critters on these little infant garments doing little storytelling, like, like we learned to do in licensing. And I was nominated two years in a row for, um, by the, uh, I forget what the name of the organization is retailers choice awards, uh, for excellence in boys, design in that age category. So, that's, so awesome. that's amazing. That was fun. And so I was able to kind of write my own ticket in my own hours. So I, I worked like eight 30 to four, <laughs> four days a week. And I was making like, again, the six figure salary. And, um, I really thought after I had my first child, cause I was pregnant with my first child. I got pregnant with my first child there. I, I really thought that I would, uh, go back and continue to work there because it was such a great environment. Um, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't leave that little baby. So but
1: I started I freelancing. What you also talked about that the industry was just it because the money was good and because of the flexibility, it was on it's it's almost like a hard industry to leave.
0: hmm Yeah. We were talking right. about that. It's real you know, niche market here.
2: Yeah. And it's, and there's something about it. Like Susan, you said in one of your other podcasts that people, you know, people ask you, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I'm a children's wear designer. And they're like, oh my God, that's so cool. You know, that sounds like so much fun. And there is something about it because I think in high school, like when I was in high school and I didn't know what I wanted to do, I didn't know this even existed. Like I didn't even know that this was a thing that you could do. And, uh, you know, as an artist, people say, you know, you know, don't be an artist because what are you going to do? There's no work. You're going to be, you know, panning in the streets for donations, but that's not true. There are a lot of, there are a lot of opportunities, at least not even just graphics. You know, if you look around and you look at like everything that's surrounding you has some element of art to it, some design element, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's wrapping paper or, you know, curtains or, your t-shirt, you know? um. Well,
0: and I think with technology, that uh, is offered a lot more opportunity for creatives, I think, in today. You know, there's certain industries now that were not even in existence when I graduated art school. And Mm -hmm. so I think there is a huger, wider range of creative uh, opportunities. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: So Honeypot was like the last... Oh, no, it wasn't. Because then from Honeypot, then you have Babies R Us. Yes.
2: So I I, I picked up Babies
1: R Us as a freelance account. Um, a really long-lasting freelance account. Yeah.
2: And I picked them up, I think, before I actually exited the industry. Um, but they st- I stayed with them for, for I think, until the end, really.
1: And, yeah, I remember um, you were in your new position, and you still were holding on. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> So during this
0: time, while you were doing this, were you, were you back in school? What, what was your, your end game or what were you thinking or, uh, you know, what were you preparing for yourself? Well, I remember,
2: um, I remember working a lot with Nicole and Nicole was like, I kept really, sucking you in a lot. Li- <laughs> no, you were like a lifeline. You were like, oh my God, if it wasn't for Nicole, I would be so screwed because she kept feeding me projects, you know, and I had the babies R Us, but the way babies are us worked was very seasonal. So you'd have months of nothing and then you'd have months of like three AM, like every night till three AM, you know? And Nicole and I used to like text each other. Such
1: a good team
2: like in the middle of the night, like we'd be the only two people up in the world. And we would, I remember we used to listen to TV on the radio, you know, like just to keep ourselves company and like, yeah. are you up? I just want to know if I'm alone, <laughs> you know? Um, but what happened, and I think we all experienced it is that the industry itself, I think after nine 11, especially just mm-hmm. started to, to shrink and yeah. a lot of companies moved to the West coast. Um, Some companies folded, some companies were bought out and that building that I talked about that was filled with children's wear companies was empty. It was Mm -hmm. empty. And I had maybe four accounts left that I was four or five accounts that I was doing freelance with, and they were slowly just sort of shrinking. And I remember saying to my husband, like, I need to find something else that I can do because I don't know how long this is going to last. And I still um, keep saying that, (laughs) but just even logistically, like, you know, all the major retailers that we served were, were like going out of business, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, I had at that point moved into Connecticut and did not want to commute two hours each way into the city if I could help it. And so, um, I did try to find graphic design work locally and for like, it blew my mind that people were not like, completely scooping me up.
1: <laughs> I was like they probably wanted to pay like 20 hours an hour.
2: Probably. But like I interviewed with Cannondale uh, to do their graphics on their bikes. I don't know if you're familiar with Cannondale, but I mean, you're talking about geometric like shapes. Like, and I was like an art director in the <laughs> <Right>. city. Like, <laughs> and, and you can't hire me to do like these geometric shapes on your bicycle. Like I couldn't. So I, I'm like, I need to find something else I can do. And
1: right. it was...
2: Be- between teaching, which uh, thank God I didn't go into that field, or therapy. Those were the two other things that I yeah, was thinking. because
1: you thought about the teaching, but then, okay, so then you went into the therapy. Yeah. So
0: when did when did you start the process of going back to school for therapy? Like, how long did that process take?
2: Mm-hmm. So and were I, you
0: doing that while you were still doing the creative?
2: Yes, I was doing, um, well, in the midst of all of that, I did quit one year and taught in the Bronx in a high needs area of the Bronx for it. That was like, supposedly dangerous enough that you weren't allowed to leave the building without an escort. Wow. And I like cried myself to sleep every night. Like it was so hard. It was so much harder to teach yeah. <laughs> than it was to work for me, for my disposition than it was to do the work that we used to do, you know? Right. Um, so, in 2007, I took my very first class uh, as a non matriculated student with the MFT program at Fairfield University. And I loved it. I just felt like it was totally speaking to me. It was uh, foundations of family therapy, and it talked about, you know, systemic relationships and, you know, all the kind of therapy, just foundational aspects. And that's what started it. So I was freelancing um for multiple sorry my dogs are barking. Um, <laughs> for multiple multiple companies while plugging away uh at school and it took me well I grad I started in 2007 and I graduated in 2013. So it took me oh, so a while.
1: It was a long and, process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. did it.
2: <laughs> I did it. I did it. And thank so, God. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah.
1: And then what so when was like, yeah, you came out, you got, you finally got the degree and then.
2: So I got, so part of, part of the degree process is internship. And I learned in that, in that experience, what I was comfortable with and what I wasn't comfortable with. And I knew I wanted to do private practice. So I came out and went straight into private practice, which most people do not do, and they don't recommend you do that. But I knew it was what I wanted to do. So I went straight into private practice and I hired a supervisor for myself so that I could do it responsibly. And I met with him every week and I um, found a partner and she and I rented space and shared the cost of space. And then slowly over time, we added another person and added another person. And now I have a um, a multidisciplinary private practice, uh, in Connecticut that has 13 offices. We have multiple APRNs. We have almost 30, um, clinicians. We have psychologists who do educational assessment. We have massage therapists. We have yoga instructors. It's a complete holistic, uh, like you know the mental show, health private
1: practice
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did you that. No,
1: no? That. it was a whole show that was a spin-off of Grey's Anatomy oh, that, no, and that's like I every didn't... time you say private practice that's like what comes in my head
2: yeah yeah but it, it was the, it was a really and I still do graphics my graphics Ugh. have supported this entire process because and I do my website own web.
1: yeah yeah I do all my oh, own marketing wow. materials I and have totally took, an yeah. edge on. So other- all of that foundation that <laughs> yeah. you brought with you from all those years of art directing, and yes. none of that was for a waste. It all no. is getting used and utilized. And yep. and you're probably so much more out there in everybody's face because you have the whole website and the beautiful graphics and your beautiful the atmosphere. Because I know that your your spaces are also. Mm-hmm. Leave- design beautifully because you have that whole background of being a creative.
2: Yeah, it's it's branded. Yeah, Yeah. Uh,
1: that's brand. That's amazing.
2: It's branded, and branding is a big is a big thing if you're going to start your own business.
0: So So when did you? And just to go back, when did you delineate where you stopped working in the creative industry or in the children's wear industry, and really focused in on your private practice?
2: So the private practice uh, for the first, I would say, three years did not make money. It mm-hmm. We were in the red. You know, I remember my tax returns one year were negative $30,000. <laughs> 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 the government should have been paying me. <laughs>
1: yeah. um,
2: so I had to keep doing the graphics, uh, you know, freelance to supplement as much as I could. So it so overlapped. I, it overlapped a lot. And I kept three accounts. So Nicole would feed me once in a while some work.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I would beg. Then,
2: <laughs> and then I had the, ba- the babies are us and I had a, a sleepwear account. Um, but the babies are us went out of business and the sleepwear account went out of business. Wow. And that's when I just
0: said, okay, I guess we're done here. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you were able to pivot beautifully into a whole other industry, but you had prepared for that for many years before that which is beautiful
1: and started at the bottom and built yourself back up in a completely new industry and that I think is something like it it, I think it's so hard because even when I left the garment industry it's so hard to be okay starting again at the bottom and giving up that salary and that because you have in your head that what you are and who like that almost defines you and that salary almost defines you as well. And then you come out and now that money, you're not going to get it in this new industry, even though you had all those years, it doesn't transfer. right? Right. You have to be okay with going backwards. Yeah, that's an excellent point. But it's that much faster because you had all that experience and all that knowledge that you can now bring into this new industry. So it doesn't take as long as it took that first time
2: yeah well I think t- two things I want to say one is that uh, I think people are under sometimes go under the um, the assumption that somebody else is supporting you while you're doing this and that is not the case at least not for me. My husband lost his job in 2013 the year I graduated and so all of that work was done just like through work it, it, it was scrapping and borrowing and saving and yeah and doing the graphics to make ends meet. Um, and the, the other thing is um, I, I think there is a serendipity to any process where you, where, when it's right, you know? So like when, like you said earlier, Nicole, like when you just sort of like get the blocks out and yeah. just allow yeah. and kind of be present to what the opportunities are as they come and like lean yeah. into them. That it happens, it feels almost organic, like it's work, but you don't feel like you're working. You feel like yeah. you're just, you're just moving through the way you're supposed to. Yes, and saying to, yes, and and not
1: not letting your fear be bigger than your faith. Yes, so true. That that's that's so, really great. I think that there are two things that, especially now, coming from you. If so, the two questions before we wrap up. One, what would you, what advice would you give to someone who's wanting to enter into the the industry? And then, two, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to pivot out, who's been in it?
2: Mm-hmm. So, I think from
1: an artist
2: perspective, uh, I think your portfolio is key. And so, if if regardless of your degree, like whatever you decide to to study. Um, if you know that you're interested in a particular field, whether it's toys or grab or, um, you know, uh, ch- apparel or whatever it is like that, you need to have something rep- representing that in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. And, and what I found, I think you both would agree, is that business owners cannot make the leap. They can't, like, see, uh, you know, your record label, <laughs> that you made in college and, and mentally translate that into children's apparel. So if if you want to do children's apparel, let's say you need to have graphics that are going to be marketable and relatable in your portfolio that an owner can say, oh yeah, I could see that on a garment.
1: So study Um, the company and figure out what their look is and then add some things into your portfolio that represent that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and don't, don't be so far
2: out there that it's not relatable, even though that you may want to be that creative, right. um, but, but don't just do what everybody else is doing. Like you have to find that middle ground where mm-hmm. it's something new and different, but it's still a marketable product because mm-hmm. creativity is a, a combination of that, that inspiration in, in that new idea, but also what is marketable. So true. Um, that's great advice. And so and that- for, for transitioning out of the industry, I think that you have to really tap into your intuition and follow your gut. So if, if you know, like if it's not sitting right with you or you're hating your job or you're hating your environment, or you just have an interest in something different and you're, that's calling you repeatedly, you have to trust your intuition and, and start slow. Like you can just, you can, like, I found it worked really well to overlap it and sort of transition slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's never too late. It's never too late to go. I don't care if
1: you're 65, it's never too late to start something new. Yeah. And maybe um, take a class or just get yourself in that environment of whatever right. it is that you want to it, transition into.
2: Yep. Network or, you know, explore it. Yeah.
1: Find a Facebook well, group, whatever it yeah. is.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Sam, I want to tell you, thank you so much for sharing your journey and your history and where you started and where you are now. I think it was really an interesting um, story, you know, an interesting experience, you know, process. Yeah, <laughs> it was. So we want to both thank you so much for your yes. time today and um, sharing that with us.
1: And I just want to say, I'm so grateful for our friendship and you have really been such a support to me throughout all my years.
2: I, I feel the same way. I, I, I love having you guys in my life. And thank <laughs> you for inviting me to
0: this. This yeah. was a lot of fun. Yes. Great. So well, thank you. And we hope that our listeners enjoyed this. And we will see you guys next week.
1: Yes. Thank you come so back much next week.
0: Okay, bye.